Welcome to Bible News Press. Our goal is to discuss biblical faith beyond cliches and buzzwords, whether such words are religious or political. Sometimes we sit around the table and fellowship. Sometimes we do a little time travel. It is all part of our journey with our Abba Father, who has given us the key to life. We do it with Jesus, and we do it together. Welcome. Hello, I'm Laura. I will be reading Hosea chapter 9 from the World English Bible. Don't rejoice, Israel, to jubilation like the nations, for you were unfaithful to your God. You love the wages of a prostitute at every grain threshing floor. The threshing floor and the wine press won't feed them, and the new wine will fail her. They won't dwell in Yahweh's land, but Ephraim will return to Egypt, and they will eat unclean food in Assyria. They won't pour out wine offerings to Yahweh, neither will they be pleasing to him. Their sacrifices will be to them like the bread of mourners. All who eat of it will be polluted, for their bread will be for their appetite. It will not come into Yahweh's house. What will you do in the day of solemn assembly and in the day of the feast of Yahweh? For behold, they have gone away from destruction. Egypt will gather them up. Memphis will bury them. Nettles will possess their pleasant things of silver. Thorns will be in their tents. The days of visitation have come. The days of reckoning have come. Israel will consider the prophet to be a fool and the man who is inspired to be insane because of the abundance of your sins and because your hostility is great. A prophet watches over Ephraim with my God. A fowler's snare is on all of his paths and hostility in the house of his God. They have deeply corrupted themselves as in the days of Gibeah. He will remember their iniquity. He will punish them for their sins. I found Israelite grapes in the wilderness. I saw your fathers as the first ripe in the fig tree at its first season. But they came to Baal Peor and consecrated themselves to the shameful thing and became abominable like that which they loved. As for Ephraim, their glory will fly away like a bird. There will be no birth, no one with child, and no conception. Though they bring up their children, yet I will bereave them so that not a man shall be left. Indeed, woe also to them when I depart from them. I have seen Ephraim, like Tyre, planted in a pleasant place, but Ephraim will bring out his children to the murderer. Give them. Yahweh, what will you give? Give them a miscarrying womb and dry breasts. All their wickedness is in Gilgal, for there I hated them. Because of the wickedness of their deeds, I will drive them out of my house. I will love them no more. All their princes are rebels. Ephraim is struck. Their root has dried up. They will bear no fruit. Even though they give birth, yet I will kill the beloved ones of their womb. My God will cast them away because they didn't listen to him, and they will be wanderers among the nations. That is the end of chapter 9. In the beginning of this section, God says they should not be celebrating like the other nations, implying celebrations associated with all the false gods and debauchery. Instead, they should be humbling themselves before God in repentance. Jeremiah chapter 44 verse 17 is another place that makes it clear what the intent of Israel was and 
After they explain it to Jeremiah, he explains the real cause and effect to them because they are deluded. Per verse 3, you can look at Leviticus 18.28 and Leviticus 25.23, where it was very clearly told them what the results of these kinds of choices would be. The land is Yahweh's. It is only theirs when they are his people. Otherwise, it is like a woman who has divorced her husband for no good reason, but considers his bank account fully at her disposal. Egypt comes up again, as it did in Hosea 7.16, but here the Assyrians are mentioned as well. Ezekiel 4.13 is another place where it talks about eating unclean food among the nations. Then here in verses 4 and 5, it indicates the people of Israel won't even be able to pretend to sacrifice. Then verse 6 has a description of God's judgment, as it is also described in Isaiah 5.6 with the same briars and thorns. And specifically in Isaiah 7.23, it draws the connection with the silver as being profit for their vineyards, which they won't have. Here in Hosea in verse 7, he talks about how hostile they are to the prophets who are inspired. They're hostile because of their sin. Micah 2.11 talks about the corollary of how they are quite willing to listen to false and lying prophets. In verse 8, he talks about how the prophets are there to watch over them, or as Jeremiah 6.17 says, to declare like a trumpet, but they won't listen. They reject the accurate report. Ezekiel is also called famously to be a watchman in chapter in Ezekiel 3.17 and Ezekiel 33.7 to warn of danger. So here in Hosea chapter 9, verse 9, we have the description of them again sinning deeply, fully immersed. And then the horrible example of Judges 19 is used to compare to help them somehow get an idea of how bad it is. This story in Judges is the story of the man who was traveling after wooing back his concubine who left him to be a prostitute. And they're in Gibeah, and some men of the city surround the house where he is visiting, and they demand that he be brought out so that they can have sex with him. That's very specifically stated in the story. It's very disturbing. First, you have to ask, why do they need to have a victim for this? Why isn't their depravity among themselves enough? And why does he, in his fear, hand over his concubine? And like I said, it is true that she had actually left him to be a prostitute, as it says in verse 2 of Judges 19. So maybe he didn't think she would mind, but it does seem like a rash and unloving decision, definitely. This gang was so violent that she died, which he apparently didn't expect her husband who came back and got her, since he seems to casually greet her in the morning. But then, to heap wickedness on wickedness. When this report is spread through Israel, the men of Gibeah will not turn over the murderers. They would rather go to war with the rest of Israel than turn over these men to justice. And you can read the outcome of that in Judges there. The point here is that this is the wickedness that God is referring to when he says, as in the days of Gibeah. And then on another note, I don't know what it means, but King Saul was from Gibeah. That is made very clear in historical counts in Samuel and Kings. The comparison of the grapes and the figs in verse 10 of Hosea 9 here is also used in Jeremiah 2, 1 through 3, Isaiah 28, 4, and Micah 7, 1. Then we have the mention of Baal Peor, 
which you first hear about in Numbers 25.3. Deuteronomy 23.4 expounds on this as something that Balaam counseled the Midianites to lead the Israel into sin to basically make themselves be cursed by Yahweh since he couldn't do it. So both of these references are from the beginning of the nation when they had been clearly warned about things. It wasn't anything anyone else did to them. It was their own decisions, kind of like a heroin addict who keeps shooting up the drug even when people are warning that it is destroying his body. So like in Deuteronomy 31.17, it warns they will no longer be blessed. We are seeing that happen here. It's not that they are caught unawares, or at least they shouldn't have been. And like many people do today, they mistake God's patience for complacency. Regarding verse 12, remember two things. These children are, one, being offered as sacrifices, and or two, being brought up And choosing to follow the same wickedness, children doesn't always mean little innocent babies. These children may be better brought up elsewhere where they can be reminded of the consequences of not living according to God's ways, the consequences of living according to all this wickedness. In verse 15, he references Gilgal, the first place east of the Jordan where they camped in Joshua 4.19, but which has become a place of pagan worship. And it says he hated them. This seems to be the use of the word similar to he hated Esau and loved Jacob, or when Jesus says, hate your father and mother. It means that he is not choosing to bless them or honor them because they do these things. He doesn't love in the sense of desiring to be with them or putting them as a priority of blessing anymore. They will not be blessed by his goodness since all goodness flows from him and he is the source. And in verse 17, it again reiterates, they didn't listen, they had a choice, and they didn't choose the right thing. That's all for today. Thanks for listening. That is the Bible News Press segment for today, but not the end of our journey. 